I've been uh, a member here at HCC for several years, and uh, from time to time when the pastors are unavailable or away doing something else, they've asked me to bring you the message, and I'm honored to do that today. Like most of you, I probably grew up, or I did grow up, but you probably grew up with siblings. Um, I grew up with two older sisters. Uh, My oldest sister is a redhead. She's six years older than I am, and everything you've heard about redheads is true. Our tempers, our pig-headedness and stubbornness, and uh, so we weren't exactly the best of friends growing up. (laughs) Um, I used, when her boyfriends and friends would come over, I would pester and aggravate them to no extent. Um, And it all came to a head when I was about eight years old, and uh, she pushed me down of the basement stairs and yelled at me, why don't you just grow up? Uh, I learned a couple of valuable life lessons that day. One, falling down a flight of stairs onto a concrete floor really hurts, and I needed to stop acting like a baby and grow up. As we do grow up, we go through different stages of life. And first we are infants and then toddlers and pre-adolescents and so on. And there is an expectation that you keep moving forward in your stage of development as a human being. As we move forward, the requirements of our bodies change. And a big requirement that changes is the food that we eat. I love food, hard to imagine. I love the variety and smells and tastes and textures of food. (laughs) Amen. There was a time in all our lives though all we had to eat for several months on end was milk and formula. Then came the introduction of yummy, runny vegetables like strained peas and carrots and squash and the ever-popular green beans. Uh, I praise God that in his great mercy he erased those memories from my mind so that I can enjoy solid food today. Uh, Given the opportunity, would any of us want to go back to just eating milk and formula and runny vegetables? (laughs) No. Um, The obvious answer is, of course not. We don't want to go back to what we used to eat as babies because baby food is for babies, not adolescents, teenagers, and adults. Just as babies need milk and formula early on in their lives, newer baby Christians need the pure spiritual milk that comes from learning the basic principles of the oracles of God. Milk is essential for early child development, and as a child grows and matures, its nutritional requirements need to change to ensure proper growth and development. As I was preparing this message, I thought it prudent to look up the main components found in regular milk. And as I read through them, I realized that each component had a corresponding spiritual component. So we'll just take a look at the, uh, the slide that's up there. Calcium, needed for growing strong bones. Pure spiritual milk builds us up. Protein for growth and energy. Pure spiritual milk increases, helps us to grow and increases our faith. Vitamin A for eyesight and immune function. Pure spiritual milk helps us to see the truth and protects us. Vitamin B12 for production of healthy cells. Pure spiritual milk purifies us. Iodine to regulate the metabolism. Pure spiritual milk helps to sustain us. And magnesium for muscle function. Pure spiritual milk makes us strong. And phosphorus for energy release. Pure spiritual milk gives us power. However, there is a problem that exists in the church today as it did 2,000 years ago. And that many Christians, new or old, do not desire to grow up and move from the milk of God's word to the meat of God's word, 
which, le- which leads to and is ne- necessary for spiritual maturity. Let's go to God's Word and see what he has to say about the importance of spiritual maturity. The passage that we'll be studying today is Hebrews 5, verses 11 to 14. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The writer of Hebrews is writing to the Jewish converts in in, uh, Jerusalem. There was a great concern that many of them had stopped growing in their knowledge of Christ. And there were, in fact, many that had neglected the foundations of their faith and were instead following the ways of the world. Just before this passage, the author is explaining about Jesus in the Old Testament in Hebrews 4, verses 9 and 10, saying, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Um, Being designated by God a high priest after after the order of Melchizedek. But he stops himself there to address the elephant in the room. There is no point trying to explain the greater things of God's word, the meat, when you are still stuck on the basics, the milk. I think we can all agree that there is an expectation amongst earthly parents, that within the first two years of a child's life, that they begin to introduce more solid foods into their diet and teach them the mechanics of how to feed themselves. This process is difficult and messy and often frustrating. But with a little instruction and patience and guidance, the infant learns to let go of the familiar and the comfortable and explore the deep richness of textures and flavors. And eventually, the child will no longer desire just milk, but looks forward to the pleasing experience that comes from eating more substantial foods. There is also an expectation for those who are born again, spiritual infants, if you will, that within the first two years of the child's life, that they begin to wean themselves off the pure spiritual milk needed for building a strong foundation. There is an expectation that they will introduce more solid foods into their diet and learn how to feed themselves. This process is difficult and messy and immensely frustrating at times. And without instruction and guidance, the spiritual infant soon gives up and goes back reaching for their bottle. As the church, we need to take the role of spiritual parenting very seriously. No loving parent would just sit back and hope that their child would turn out okay physically and mentally without any intentional care or instruction from them. The thought is ludicrous. Spiritual infants may look grown up on the outside, but they are completely vulnerable, confused, and dependent upon us as spiritual parents to love, to care for them, to instruct and guide them, and most importantly, to introduce to them the solid food of the word of righteousness and teach them how to feed themselves. There is nothing wrong with being a baby Christian when you first get saved. In fact, you're kind of cute as you learn to experience the new life that you've just been reborn into. However, there is nothing cute about being spiritually helpless 
after a couple of years of expecting and expecting others to feed and to change you. Exhibit A, behind me. I know that there are many here at HCC who desire to remain as spiritual infants and, there are <clears throat> and are content to remain on a milk diet. I surmise that there might be a couple of reasons why this is happening. Number one, you have no desire to grow in your faith and the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ beyond your confession of him as the Christ and your promise to submit to him as Lord of your life as you were reborn through the waters of baptism. And two, we, who are spiritual parents here at HCC, this includes myself and some group leaders, pastors, elders, and other disciplers in the church, we have fallen short of our responsibility to teach and to guide you into maturity so that you would be able to feed yourselves and to move from milk to solid food. As you mature and eat solid food from the word of righteousness and through obedience become doers of the word, the powers, your powers of discernment to distinguish good from evil or the truth and false teachings increases. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You might be sitting there thinking, So, why is this important? Why should I care about discernment? Surely I know enough to be able to tell the difference between good and evil and true and false teachings, right? Maybe. Maybe. But let's take a trip back to the garden and take a look at how knowledge without wisdom is a dangerous and potentially life-threatening situation. After God had created everything, he told Adam not to eat from the tree at the center of the garden, which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God did not want Adam, to eat for, uh, Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest they die. After reading Hebrews 5.14 again, I realized something interesting. In Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, a.k.a. Satan, says to Eve regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice that the serpent does not say that they will be able to discern good from evil. That would require wisdom. Then Eve, without asking God for wisdom, makes a decision based on a lie that she chooses to believe. Let's look at Genesis 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, hmm, wait now, who said that the tree would make them wise? Eve deceived herself into believing that the tree would make her wise. The tree would give them the knowledge of good and evil, but they would have lacked the wisdom to discern or distinguish the difference. True wisdom only comes from God. Knowledge without wisdom will lead to death. When I was in my 20s, I was a big role-player gamer. I did a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, Role Master, and a lot of other role-playing games. And one day, me and my dungeon master were having a discussion about attributes like intelligence and wisdom and knowledge. And my dungeon master explained to me the difference between knowledge and wisdom. He said that you are walking, 
imagine you were walking through a mountain pass, a narrow road. And on your right and your left, it's walled in on both sides by rocky hills. He said, your knowledge and experience tells you that this would be an awesome place for an ambush. Your wisdom allows you to react and take appropriate action to avoid the impending threat. Adam and Eve were unskilled in the word of righteousness, and they lacked wisdom to distinguish good from evil. The tree would have killed them. Eating from the tree would have killed them because they would have lacked the wisdom to distinguish the difference between that which leads to life, truth, and goodness, and that which leads to death, deception, and evil. It appears that the Christian Hebrews in Jerusalem were in a similar state. They had received the knowledge of the good news. They repented and were baptized. They did nothing but did nothing to train themselves to feed on the word of righteousness so that they would be able to grow and mature in their power of discernment to distinguish good from evil. Soon some found themselves slipping back into their old mindsets and traditions and others were not moving forward to, uh, on towards maturity but were choosing to remain as spiritual infants. The writer of Hebrews addresses a serious concern that had contributed to their lack of spiritual maturity. In Hebrews 5.11, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. They had become dull of hearing. They did not start out that way. So you are probably wondering, well, how did they and we become dull of hearing? Great question. In chapter 2, the writer of Hebrews starts to address reasons for the current condition that the Jewish Christians in, of Jerusalem. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from what we, lest we, sorry, from lest we drift away from it. They had started to drift away from the truth of the gospel and had started to follow the ways of the world. In verse 3 of that chapter, it says, How shall we escape if we neglect such great a salvation? Well, apparently they were beginning to neglect the greatness of their salvation. And in chapter 3, the writer is suggesting that they were losing their grasp on their confidence of the future. In verse 6 of that chapter, it says, We are his house if we hold fast to our confidence and pride in our hope. As his church, we must hold on to that which we first believed. So, why are these things important to the life and growth and the maturity of the Christian in the church? I'm glad you asked. It is summed up in verse 12 of chapter 3. Take care, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God drifting from the truth, neglecting and diminishing our salvation, and slipping away from our confidence in Christ can result in us falling away from God and will most certainly make us dull of hearing so that we are no longer able to distinguish between worldly false teachings and the teaching that comes from the word of righteousness and truth. Brothers and sisters and followers of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, we have been given a great commission, and a ministry. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go therefore, 
Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The writer of Hebrews here chastises the Jewish Christians and says in verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. He's pointing out the blatantly obvious. How can you teach others the doctrine that is foundational for their growth as a Christian if you yourselves have neglected the truth and in fact need to be retaught the basic principles of the oracles of God? We are all commanded to teach new Christians the ways of Christ and walk alongside of them to ensure that they observe the truth and do not stumble. We need to take them by the hand until they are ready and steady enough to walk on their own. We need to ensure that they are raised on pure spiritual milk and when they are ready, to introduce them to the solid food of God's word. And we must teach them and guide them to feed themselves so that they can grow and mature in their faith and discernment to rightly distinguish between truth and false teaching. As we help our brothers and sisters to grow from spiritual infant to to spiritual adult, we help them to be truly transformed. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Do you hold fast to the basic principles of the oracles of God? Or do you still conform to the ways of this world? Have you become like the Christians in Hebrews 5? and allowed yourselves to gradually become spiritually deaf and drift away? Or are you teachable? Have you closed your eyes and your ears and your hearts to the word of righteousness, depriving yourself of the meat of God's word that leads to growth, maturity, and steadfastness steadfastness of faith? And I know that there may be some of you that are sitting there and you're probably saying, I like my life just the way it is. Thank you very much. You might be wondering, how am I hurting anything if I don't, like, if I don't feel like growing up and pushing towards spiritual maturity? That's a great question to which the Apostle Paul has a brilliant response. In Ephesians 4, uh, <clears throat> chapter 4, verses 11 to 15, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of the people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow in every respect, or we will grow in every respect the mature, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. It is not just your own personal growth that is affected by your unwillingness to grow up. It affects the whole body of Christ. I spent years as an immature Christian 
being tossed this way and that, and eventually I found myself so far off course that I had no fixed point to steer to. Over the past three years, one of the leaders here at HGC took me under his wing, taught me how to feed myself, taught me how to read God's word, not just for knowledge, but for wisdom. Taught me how to be a better teacher and is training me how to become a better preacher. Most importantly, he taught me to observe all that Jesus had commanded so that I would not drift. There is a point in every Christian's life when they will hopefully realize that they need to grow up. The pastors and elders and leaders here at HCC are absolutely committed to helping you move on from the pure spiritual milk to the solid food of God's word, which leads to maturity. And we promise we won't push you down a flight of stairs. <laughs>